uh, we're, we're happy. We're happy that our pastor is back. Amen. Amen. Truly miss you. Truly miss you. You too, sister. <laughs> uh, yes. I'll invite you to open up the Word of God to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm in Galatians, but no, it's Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. That's where our text is this morning. Amen? This is the, the word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, humbly we come to you. As we have this uh, so important text in front of us, um, that tell us, tells us that we are in a struggle, we are in a war, we are in a battle. Help us, Lord, that we may grasp that. Help us, Lord, that we may see that. And that we may be obedient and responsive to your word as to put the whole armor of God in us. Help us, Lord. Help us to speak with wisdom. Help us to listen with wisdom. And may we apply the word of God to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we are at, we are at the end of the, uh, of the series, right? It's been, uh, it's been, uh, it's been some time. Uh, it's been some time where we're coming to, we're coming to the end. This, is, this would be the last message in the, uh, in the series of the, uh, uh, the book of Ephesians. Um, and it's been, from the, from the time that I, I, it was, I was the first one to preach on, on, on the first chapter. And I told you from that time that this book, this book just deserves a lot of time because it's essential for the church. Right? And I said that uh, at least, and then the pastor's here, so I said I, I would talk to him, and I would tell him, and he's here, so we, we're going to tell him. This book should be preached, the whole book, more in detail at least once a year because it's, a, it's essential for the church, very important for the church. So 
I, will, I would suggest that we would do that. But today we're coming to the end. We're coming to the end of the, uh, of, uh, of the epistle. And I just want to, uh, I just want to review uh, its context of, of where, where we have traveled, right, in our journey. Uh, like, many, like many of the letters or, or, or the, the letters that Paul wrote, they have a, they have a pattern. There was a pattern in, in his writing and his letters, uh, like this one, especially this one, right? We have three, three chapters of doctrine, three chapters of orthodoxy, and then we have three chapters of orthopraxy, the practical aspect of this. The first three chapters, they, they identify our position in Christ. They, they, they are doctrinal. They define what are we, what, are, what, what we are in him, our position in Christ, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to belong to God, what it means that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, right? We are adopted. It tells us that we are adopted into God's family. It tells us that we are in Christ. That's our position. That's our identity, because of Christ, because of what Christ has, has done for us. And as we come, that was the first three chapters. And as we come to chapters 4, four 5, and 6, uh, we saw the, the ap- practical aspect of the, of, the, uh, of the Christian life, of the Christian living. We saw that we are to live different than the world. Remember that? We are to live different than, than the world. Our talk is different. Our walk is different. And that's where we saw the, the walk, uh, the worthy walk, rather, or the walk, to walk worthy. And it's a, it was a walk of love. It was a walk of humility. It was a walk of humility, a walk of oneness, a walk of unity, a walk of light. Remember? We, we're not in darkness anymore. We're, we're, we're in light. A walk of wisdom. A walk of wisdom, and then at the end, it was a walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, right? And all of that shows us, showed us that our relationships are different. Our families are different. We speak different than the world. We're not like the world anymore. We're different. Our marriages are different. Our employment situations are different. Everything, all of that is, all of that is in there. And it tells us that we are to be different because we are children of God. We belong to him. And all of these things have a unique standard by which we live uh, and function in this world. And summing it up, we could think of it this way. We have all the resources we need, and we do. We have all the power we need. Remember that? It was that that power, the resurrected Christ. We have that power. We have the power. We have all the power we need. We have all the principles to live the Christian life, don't we? Yes, we do. But even though we have all that power, even though all the principles are there to live the Christian life, we have all the power, we have all the principles, we have all the resources to our, in our hands, something else is there. Something else is there. And that is the enemy, our adversary who wants to come against us to, to, and, and thwart all the good things that Christ wants to do, that God wants to do, right? <clears throat> so Paul wants to tell us one more thing. He wants us to know one more thing, and we need to know it well. We need to know it well. And that is that we are in a battle, that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a difficult task. It's going to take strength we don't have. And if you notice, that's why uh, uh, verse 10 starts the way it starts. Be strong 
but not your strength, right? It's in the power of his might. It's his strength. We're going to need his strength, his strength, because it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a difficult thing. It's going to be a battle, right? It's going to be a battle. We're going to face opposition. And I don't know, have you, as in your Christian life, have you noticed that you're, that you're facing opposition? If you haven't noticed it, it's because you're not walking the worthy walk. Because there's opposition. Every Christian, every Christian is facing opposition. Amen? And as I said this, uh, as I said this morning uh, in the study downstairs, uh, uh, we, if you don't realize that we are at war, this is, this is the message for you. Because we are at war. We're not walking through meadows full of flowers, roses, smelling the roses. No, we are at war. We are at war. And we need to know that. And if you notice, Paul, Paul, chapter 1 starts from the heavenlies. He takes us all the way to the heavenlies. We've been blessed, he says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Isn't that beautiful? We're from chapter 1, and then he tells us all the things that I just, uh, I just covered. And then here comes chapter 6. It's the end. He takes us from the heavenlies all the way down to the depths of hell because we are at war with the darkness. That's what, that's what verse 12 tells us, right? The authorities against cosmic powers, the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of, of evil. We are at war. We are at war. And we have, we have, a, we have a, 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 a formidable foe. As a matter of fact, we have three foes. We have three foes operated by the same, by the same spiritual being. Uh, well, it all comes together. But we have three foes, and I'm going to mention them to you. We have, the first thing that we have that, that we're fighting against is the flesh. Is the flesh. Romans 7 tells us of that, right? Talks about that. We're living in, in this unredeemed body with lots of impulses that go along with being human, the flesh, right? Uh, 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 the flesh that's not been, that has not been redeemed yet. We all live with it. We all sleep with it. We sleep with the enemy. Ladies, and it's not your husband. It's not your husband. When you wake up in the morning... To brush your teeth, to get ready, you're looking at the enemy in the mirror. That's our enemy, right? It's the human, it's the flesh. The human is the flesh. It's that battle that's going on inside the believer between the spirit, which is the new creation, the spirit, which, which is the new creation, and the flesh, flesh, which what's left from the uh, old man. You remember that? That's what Paul talks about in Romans. And that's that war that's going inside of us. That we're all facing that war inside of us. Where Paul says in Romans, uh, <clears throat> in Romans, I, do, I don't do what I want to do. Remember that? I don't do what I want to do. And I do what I ought not to do. Wretched man that I am. Because that's that war that's going inside of us. Galatians 5.17 says, <clears throat> what does it say? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing these things, the things you want to do. You see that? That's our, that's our battle. That's our everyday battle. <clears throat> In other portions of Scripture, uh, Paul describes the, uh, this, the, this battle or this thing. is like having a corpse tied to your body that you can't get rid of it. And we can get rid of it, right? 
Again, it's, 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 we live with it every day. You, we can't. So it's not easy to walk the worthy walk because of the opposition of this unredeemed. And I don't know, you ever, anybody ever notice that there's, you have a tough time with this thing? Yes, I do. The things you want to see, the things you want to hear, the things you want to touch, the things you want to say, and there's times you have to bite your tongue because you can't say those things. You have to close your eyes. There are the things you don't, you don't want to see, right? That's, that's the flesh. That's our enemy. <clears throat> but then we have another enemy. We have another, another foe. <clears throat> the, the flesh is... is, is is with us, but then we have another enemy outside of us, <clears throat> and that's the world. That's the system. That's the world, and that's the enemy inside of us, and Satan operates through that against, against the people of God, through the system, through the world. Now, the system basically operates by, by demon power, by demon power through human activity. So I know, it, it, it tells us in, in, in verse... Uh, um, I believe it's 11 or 12, 12, that we don't wrestle against, against flesh and blood. We don't. We don't. But the force behind that, the flesh and blood, is the evil one. So it comes through us in that manner, through human activity. And that's what comes at the, at the believer. And Satan, <clears throat> so Satan is behind all of that. It comes to the system that he has created. He tells us, right? Paul tells us here that he is a, uh, well, not here, but he tells us that he is the, the prince, the prince of this world is Satan. So it comes through us through the system. Now we would all like to think, we would all like to think and we would all like to, to, to think that we could live in a world that is not hostile. But it'll never happen. It'll never happen. This world is hostile to God. This world hates God. This world hates Christianity. Do you notice that in, in, the, in the social media and through everywhere, it, it, other religions are not, are not they, don't, they, they don't talk about them. What do they talk about? They talk about the Bible thumpers. They give us different names. It's Christianity they're, they're warring against. And our Lord told us, right? They hated me, they're going to hate you too. And we are at war with that because they, they hate us. They hate us. So we have the flesh, we have the system, which is the world. We have Satan that's behind all of that that, that that we deal with. And all of that tells us that we are at war. We are at war. We are behind enemy lines. And again, we're not walking through the meadows, flowery meadows. No, we are at war. And our, our text introduces us into the last three pieces of the, of the armor. Well, those are the ones that, that Pastor Dan gave me, right? The, 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 the last three pieces. The first ones, the first three pieces was the, uh, that we saw last week that, that the, uh, our brother uh, Tim uh, preached. Uh, it was the, the belt of truth, the breastplate, and the shoes. Remember that? And those, those three pieces were for, were for long-range preparation for, and, and protection. They were to be permanent. Those things were to be put, we should, the believers should put on and never take off. Those three, right? And again, that's what the, last week, that was last week's message. But I want to cover them a little bit just to come into our, just to come into our, our, our verses, our, uh, um, our text. And last week, we saw the belt of truth, right? We saw the belt of truth. Verse 14 is, is going to be quick. I'm not, 
I need to focus on my, and, and I don't know how much I'm going to cover, so this is going to be a, a, quick, a quick review, but we have to do it. Verse, verse 14 talks about the belt of truth. And there's a phrase there that says, fastened on the belt of truth. You see that phrase? And that word fastened is important. Another, another, another verse, it tells us, gird up your loins, which he means the same thing, fasten, to fasten the belt of truth. And if you look in Exodus uh, 12, 11, it tells, you, it tells you the same phrase. And in there it tells you, with your belt fastened. Right? And that was when the people of God, the, the people of Israel, were ready to come out of Israel, right? And they were ready to move out. He tells them, You're going to be eating, but you're going to be ready. Be ready at any moment to skadoodle. You're moving out, you're, you're moving fast. So that was, the, that was the thing. They had to be prepared. Readiness. That's what it meant. But if you look in, 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 in Luke 12 35, it gives you the same phrase, but it gives it to you in a different way. Stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action. 1 Peter 1.13 tells us the same phrase. Preparing your mind for action. Do you see that? Preparing your mind for action. They use the same phrase. Gird up your loins. Fasten, on you, fasten your, your, your belt to move in, into action. And that meant readiness. That meant commitment. That meant self-discipline. That meant devotion to victory. So the belt of truth is a symbol of preparation, commitment to the battle. We need to be committed to the battle. That's what I keep saying. We're not walking through the battles. We need to know. We need to know that we are in, in war, at war. And we need to be ready. We need to be committed. We need to be committed to that war, to that battle. We can't just be nonchalantly walking. Nobody does that at war, right? You know what happens when somebody walks like that at war? They get, they get killed. So that's what it means. It means commitment to the battle. Commitment to the battle. The second piece is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, that breastplate of righteousness, it, it, it indicates personal holiness, righteousness li living. Holiness, holiness and righteousness living. And, when we, and, and, and with that, when sin enters our lives, we confess our sin we confess our sin, we repent of our sin, we turn from it, and that's how we keep the breastplate of righteousness on, right? That's how we keep the breastplate of righteousness, but he means holiness and righteousness. Now, the, the breastplate of, of, of righteousness, everybody knows what a breastplate is, right? You guys, you guys seen, I think all men have seen The Gladiator, one of my favorite movies. It's a boy's movie. Right, but you see the gladiator. They would put that. They would put that thing to protect the to protect the heart and protect the uh, the, the the belly, right? <clears throat> and we said that we have mentioned before that the the protection of that that was for the heart. Now we said this before that the heart for the Greek. What did it meant for the for the for the Jewish and for the Greek? Because for us, we talk about emotions here. Our heart, oh, I love you so much. You know, I, I love you. And it's, it comes, they say, it comes from the heart, right? So for us, that's, that's emotions. But for the Greek and for the Jewish, it wasn't that way. 
For the Greek and for the Jewish, the heart was the seat of the, of the seat of thought. It was your mind. It was your mind. So the breastplate of righteousness is to protect our minds. And the way we protect our minds is by holy living. By walking righteously. You get that? That's how we protect our mind. But we, it, it was also to protect the bowels, the, 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 the thing, the, 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 the visceral, the, the, the belly, the stomach, all of that. Why? What was for the Greek and for the Jewish, the, the, the bottom? It was a seat of emotions. It was a seat of emotions. So holiness and righteousness protects our mind and protects our emotions. So our emo- emotions don't go wacky on us. When somebody insults us, when somebody cuts us off, when somebody says something insulting to us, when somebody, somebody, there's always something coming at us, right? That we just want to, you know, you know, I know. And it doesn't have to be on the outside. It could be in your own home. You know why? Because sometimes we let our emotions go. Sometimes we get those uh, um, our, 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 our attitudes going, right? The breast of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness covers that. Helps us, helps us with our emotions and with our mind. Oh, we could say so much about that, but we can't go on. Amen. And then the shoes. We saw the shoes. Uh, and the shoes were, were so you could stand the ground. They would use shoes and, and they would drive nails through the shoes or the inside of the shoe. Because at times, you know, the, the, as they were fighting, they would have to stand firm. All right? Now that, that meant trusting in God. Trusting in God because he's on our side. We all know that he's on our side, right? Why he's on our side now? I'll tell you why. Because Romans 1 tells us this. Romans 5.1 says, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We were enemies of God at one time. We were children of wrath at one time. But we've been adopted. We've been redeemed. We belong to his family. Now we belong to him, right? And he's on our side. So it's like, bring it on. He's on, Marsa. He's on my side. What's up with you? He's on our side. And that's trusting, having confidence in God. Because he's on our side. And if he's with us, who could be against us? Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's what having the shoes, having the shoes of, uh, of the gospel of, the gospel of, uh, of peace. Because we are at peace with him. Now, as we come to our text in verses 16 and 17, man, time flies. Verses 16 and 17. Notice it says, uh, verse uh, 16, uh, it says, in all circumstances, but, but in some other uh, versions, it says, in addition to all or above all, same thing, same thing, in addition to all, taking up, 
taken up. The verbs taking up and take, which is in verse 17, if, if you notice there, taking up and take, they gave us the idea that these pieces were, were to be kept ready to grab them for readiness, right? So when the actual combat came, you grab, you grab your helmet, you grab your helmet, you grab your sword, and you grab your shield, and you're good to go. So those, that, it, it was, there were pieces for, uh, of readiness. And it says, in addition to all, or above all, taking up the shield of faith, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation, 17, I'm sorry, tell the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And again, that phrase, above all, gives, gives us the distinction, watch this, the distinction in the verse that shows, that shows the difference of verse 14. Verse 14 tells us, having, having your loins gird, girded, having your, your feet shod, having your breastplate on. And the idea of having is be, that they are permanent. We are never to be without those. Never to be without those. They were to be put on all the time. Not that the other ones didn't. They, you do, but it's just a, a difference that, in there. So if your commitment, you have your belt on. If your commitment, you're committed to the war, to the war, you have your belt on. And, and if you have absolute holiness in your life, you have the breastplate on. And you have confidence in God's power. You're standing with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, again, this should be put on all the time. They should be there all the time. But when the battle gets hot, and the, and the battle gets hot at times, when the battle gets hot, when it's furious, when the arrows start coming, they start flying, what should we come out with? That you start grabbing, you see the arrows come, you, start, you, grab, you grab your shield, right? You grab your shield, you grab your, 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 your helmet, you put it on and you grab your sword because you are ready. <clears throat> now, uh, just to give you a thing, because I'm coming into the shield of faith. Uh, there were different kinds of shields. And like I tell you, you, you see, if you've seen the, the movies, you've seen the movies. There were, there were when they when they fought in close range. There were small shields. There were small shields, uh, but they were used for for close range uh, uh, battle. That's not the one he mentions here. He's mentioning he's mentioning a, a, a shield called Thurion. In Thurion. Uh, it was a shield that was four and, a, four and a half feet high by two and a half feet long, wide, I'm sorry. Uh, and and they, was, they were made out of leather, they were made out of metal, they were made out of it was t tough leather and, me and metal. They were very thick. So when the arrows, were, so when the arrows would, would, would come at that, the metal would deflect. The metal would deflect the, the, the arrows that, that would be thrown. Sometimes they would put some kind of a liquid in them. So when the, 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 the arrows would fiery, you know, they would, be, they would be extinguished. That's what Paul has in mind here. That's what Paul has in mind. So again, when the, when the battle got hot, hot, I'm sorry, when the battle got tough, the soldier would grab his shield, the soldier would grab his helmet, and he would grab his sword, and he was ready for the battle. But now, what is the shield for? What is the shield for? Well, verse 16 tells us. It says, with which you shall be able to quench. Now, hear this. Not some, not most, but all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All. That's why it's so important to have the shield of faith. Whatever, whatever the, it comes, 
the shield of faith will do the job, right? The shield of faith will do the job. It's enough for, the, for whatever the, the attack is. <clears throat> All of the fiery darts are, are, are quenched, and they will come. They will come. They do come, right? We were talking about that downstairs. They, they, it, it's, it's, it's the evil day. It's the, it tells us there in the beginning. It's the evil day. Today is the evil day. And, and I mentioned that the evil day has been since Adam and Eve fell. Since the beginning, that's been the evil day. Till today is the evil day. Driven, driven by the evil one. By the evil one. Verse 16 tells us, Paneros is the evil one. And it means the bad one, the vile one, the wretched one. And that is Satan. And Satan is the one that's firing away with all his minions. Firing away those darts, those fiery uh, darts against us. But if we have the shield of faith, no problem. They will quench, they will quench that, right? They will quench those fiery. Now, what are those fiery darts that come against us? What are they? Very simple. Very simple. And I think you've all, we've all, we've all probably, have, probably haven't noticed or taken, uh, taken thought that that's what the, those, those uh, fiery uh, darts are, but they are. They come as temptation, seductive temptations, seductive temptations. They come as arrows of impurity. They come as arrows of selfishness. They come as, uh, as arrows of doubt, fear, disappointment, lust, lust, L-U-S-T, not lost, lust. Greed, my accent comes out sometimes, sorry. Greed, vanity, covetousness, hatred, anger, pride, and every other, every other sin. Every other sin, those are the fiery darts that come at us. And we could put it in simple words. is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And we all deal with that. And those are the temptations. And so the temptations will be, uh, will be the reality is to doubt God, to doubt God, right? That, that was the initial, remember, that was the initial, that was the initial temptation in the Garden of Eve, right? The devil comes, the, the enemy came to, to Eve, and what did he tell her? What did he tell her? Has God, has God really said? Has God really said? Right? And the whole purpose was for her to doubt God's word. That was the whole purpose. I and mean, what happened? Adam, uh, not Adam, Eve. <laughs> Eve bought the lie. Eve bought the lie, and here we are. Because Eve bought that lie. She didn't, she didn't trust God's word. She didn't believe God's word. Instead, she believed the enemy. She believed the enemy. She bought the lie. And here we are, Right? <clears throat> and from there on on, brothers and sisters, the temptation to doubt God always comes. That is, it comes directly or indirectly through everything is to doubt God, to doubt God, to, to, to doubt God's word. Same thing came to our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that chapter four of, of, of Mark, um, I'm sorry, of Matthew. Matthew uh, 4, verses 3 to 9, it tells us, about, it tells us the account of, of Christ being in the wilderness. Remember? He's in the wilderness, temptation, the, 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 the devil comes to tempt him, and three times, three times he comes in, in, in the temptation. And three times, but it didn't work with our Lord. Didn't work with our Lord. 
right? Our Lord was victorious. But it always, and the thing about it, brothers and sisters, that that same technique, it does not change. He's been using that technique from the beginning, and he will continue to use that same technique. And always, it's always for us to doubt God, to doubt God's promises, to doubt God's word. It's always that way, and that's the temptation. Those are the fiery darts, <clears throat> fiery darts, always to doubt God and to believe his lies. <clears throat> Do you know another way? And this is, more, this is more coming at home, right? Because they may come with all kinds, kinds of temptations. But for us, at times, we just try to justify sin. Has it ever happened to you? It's happened to me. We try to justify sin. We, we try to give a reason, a reason why. Even though, even though we know what his word says, we know what the word of God says. Oh, this, but that, and we try to justify our sin. Uh, many people, and I've heard this, and that's why I bring this, because I've heard people talk about fornication or, or immorality. immorality. They, they, they try to, they try to uh, uh, um, rationalize it or, or, you know. And they try to do it in the name of God's grace, right? They do. Some argue that sex, uh, and I've heard this, they mentioned that to me. Sex was created by God. Sex was created by God, that it, it's a good thing. And that, that everything that's created by God, it's a good thing. So why not do it? So why not do it? You know what's that? That's perverted logic. That's perverted logic because it contradicts God's word. And it questions God's integrity. But all of that comes just for us to doubt, to doubt God's word, right? Some people say this too. Some people say, and I've heard it too. I know the Bible says that we, we should only marry a, 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 ladies who are not married. That we should only marry a believer. That's, the, what the word, that's what the word of God says, right? And they say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but he's so cute. We have such a good relationship. I'll just pray for him so he could come. Is that going to happen? Do you, but do you see how we, we, we try to justify all of these things? And all of that is so we could doubt God, right? And what we do in those circumstances, what we do in all of that, we dis disbelieve God. We doubt, we doubt what he says, just like Eve. We buy the lie. We buy the lie. And the Apostle John tells us that when we do that, we make God a liar. 1 John 5.10. 1 John 5.10 and Titus 1.2 tells us that. We make a liar out of God when we do that, right? And so whatever or however we try to justify any sin, we degrade God's God's character, and we elevate Satan's character all the time. So to sin is to believe Satan, and to follow righteousness is to believe God. And so all sin, brothers and sisters, all sin results from failure to act in faith and who God is and what he is. So faith 
is the shield. Faith is the shield. Amen? Believing and obeying God is the shield. <clears throat> and believing God, uh, not the lies of the enemy. And, and that's having, putting on the shield, taking up the shield rather. Taking up the shield. And that's the only way to extinguish God's, Satan's, I'm sorry, Satan's flaming missiles of the temptation to doubt, to doubt God. Is to believe God and to trust him on what he says. Proverbs 35, 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest, lest he rebukes you and you be found a liar. You see that? Amen. A, David reminds us to him, Psalm 1830, that the word of the Lord proves truth. And he's a shield to all of those who take refuge in him. You see that? 2 Corinthians 1.24 tells us, by faith ye stand. And that is correct. By faith we stand. It's faith is the shield that causes us for us to, to stand. Faith in God. In other words, all of this test, text rather, tells us that what God said is true. And if we believe it and we obey it, that's what our shield is. We have, put on, we have taken up the shield. But when we, we, when we go against that and we believe the lies of the enemy, we will suffer for that. Amen? So that's the shield of faith. M much more we could say about that. <clears throat> the next piece is the helmet of salvation. Verse 17, right? Verse 17. <clears throat> and take the helmet, simple, take the helmet, take the helmet of salvation. Now for the Roman soldier... Uh, it, it, would be, it would be foolish to go into war without, without his helmet. Been in the service. And that's what one, one of the things that would, that would always tell us, right? We, we have the uh, uh, helmets. It was, there, were, there were helmets, too. And that we would never allow us to go into training without, and it was just training, to go out with the helmet. Why? Because there were many, many times in, in, in the different wars that the helmet would save you. Right? They would deflect at times the, 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 uh, the bullets. So it was important. It was important for the, for the Roman soldier to never be going to battle without the helmet. Uh, <clears throat> now, we've seen, we seen the same way as the, the shield. We've seen in, in many movies the, uh, the, uh, the helmets, right? They were made out of cast iron. They were made out of tough leather. They were made, all of that. And that was for, to... to, to to protect them from injury, obviously, to the head. Now, notice it's called the helmet of salvation. Uh, now, that, that, that doesn't mean or does not uh, refer to being saved. You know that, right? Because that's ha that already has happened. We are already in the army. That happened a few chapters ago. We are already saved. <clears throat> we are already saved. The fact that the helmet is, is related to salvation, it indicates that Satan's attack are directed to our security and our assurance in Christ. That's where the attacks come, attacks come in. And listen, there are two, two, two dangerous sides to, to the enemy's sword because he's swinging the sword. He's our enemy. He's swinging his sword, <clears throat> his spiritual sword. And there are two, two sides of it. And the first one is discouragement, and the second one is doubt. Discouragement is doubt. Both edges of his sword. 
to discourage us. Uh, he points out to, to, to our failures. He points out to our unresolved problems. He points out to our sins, to our sins, to our problems, to our poor health. And we've all been there. We've all been there with, with all of those. <clears throat> Whatever seems negative in our lives, he points to that. In order for us to lose confidence in, in the love and care of our Lord, all the time he does that. He would try, he would try uh, through every means to discourage and, and, and deter us from uh, God's purposes, reminding us, right? De reminding us of our defeats, reminding us, right, of our sins, reminding us that we are no good. And it's always to try to, de to destroy our assurance, our confidence, and our trust in, in Christ. Remember Job? Remember Job? Right? Job, they took everything from Job. Everything. Satan stripped him of all the good things that he had. Everything. He was, one of the, he was the richest man on earth. And he was stripped of everything. He had nothing. Yet Job, being the kind of man of God that he was, he said in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Heard that? Hear that? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. You see? Interesting, because the book of Job shows us the, the character of, 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 of the true saving faith. True saving faith. He's showing us that, that that true saving faith is not, hear this, because this is important, is not connected to what we have or don't have or what we lose. It is not connected to that. It is not connected to that. Right? Whatever blessing, whatever blessing we have or we don't have or we lose, true faith is not, is not connected with that. Because Job lost everything. Job lost everything. He had, but he had his helmet of salvation. He didn't, he didn't quit. He had his helmet of salvation on tight. He kept his faith on God and his love and his care for him, right? Now, the truth about this thing is that we all get discouraged. Is e we easily get discouraged, don't we? Easy to be discouraged. And we could ask, how many of you have been discouraged? We all have. We all have. Sometimes with ourselves. Sometimes there's discouragement on other people. And I could tell you as a pastor, and I know Pastor Dan could tell you that because we talk. We get discouraged. We get discouraged when we see people leaving the flock. We get discouraged when people are just not walking the way they should walk. We get discouraged because there's either from us, from us, or from other people. But discouragement comes in different ways. <clears throat> we get discouraged. It's easy. Easily to get discouraged. But this is what Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we don't grow, if we don't grow weary. Satan tempts us to give up, right? He does tempt us to give up when we, we, when we don't see results in our service. Sometimes we, we're working, we're doing, we're working hard, and we don't see anything, and we get discouraged. But Galatians tells us, don't get discouraged. It's okay. It's okay. You will reap. You will reap in due time. In due time, right? Don't get tired. Don't get weary. Don't get discouraged. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Put on your helmet. Put on your helmet. Even though discouragement could come in different ways. Now, the thing is, and, and we talked about this downstairs too, because uh, uh, 
And when we talk about discouragement and all of this, and when we talk about the, 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 the attacks of the enemy, it's not something that it comes once in a while, my brothers and sisters. The attacks are relentless. The attacks are continuous, continuous. <clears throat> and they will never stop. They will never stop. As long as we're in, in, in this earth, they will never stop. The, the, attacks will, the attacks will never stop. They will continue. And that's why it's so important, the armor of God. It's a constant necessity for us to have the, 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 the armor of God. We should put it on because the enemy never stops. You've noticed that. You've been praying for a long time. Some have been praying a long time for, for, for health, for, 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 physical, for physical healing. You prayed repeatedly for physical healing. And sometimes you say, man, not, nothing happens. Nothing happens, right? <clears throat> nothing comes. <clears throat> like Paul. You know, Paul had the same thing going on. He had a sickness going on. Well, we don't really know it was a sickness, but there was something happening with him. He said, he said I pay, prayed three times. And what, what, did the, what, was the, what was the answer of God to him? What was the answer to, to his prayer? And that answer is the same answer to all of us, to all circumstances. Not just healing, not just uh, discouragement, to all circumstances. What it was, <clears throat> the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness, right? In weakness. So when we are weak, help me out. We are strong. Amen. But it's not our strength. It's his strength. You see that? It's his strength. Amen. <clears throat> and we should respond like Paul, just, just as Paul did. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness, because in my weakness, I am strong, strong in him. Amen? <clears throat> now, again, it'll never stop, and I, I, I put a question mark. Does it ever stop? No, it doesn't stop. We will fight for, until, until we leave from this world. And, and, and if you could remember what Paul went through, everything he went, he went through, and we find him in, in 2 Timothy, writing to Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7. And, and I love this. The, the, uh, Paul was a man's man. He was just, he was a man's man. He said, waiting to be beheaded. This is what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. You see that? You see that? That, 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 that is wonderful. And then in Acts 20, as he's leaving to, as he's leaving to, uh, uh, he's leaving, to uh, uh, leaving uh, the elders in Ephesus there, he tells them, right, he, he gets a prophecy, and he says, Paul, you're going to Jerusalem, you're going to Jerusalem, and you're going to be in prison, you're going to be in prison, you're going to be in chains. What does he say? That's all right. None of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself, that I might finish the ministry Christ has given me. See that? Never quitting, never going back, never, just keep moving. He never would quit. He would never faint. And so the ultimate end, 
to all of this, of, of this is to hang in there, my brothers. Be obedient. Be obedient. Uh, <clears throat> there's discouragement may, may come. There's many things that probably discourages, but never, never. And there might be things that never seem to change, but it's okay. We've got to keep moving forward. This is the battle. That's the battle. <clears throat> That's the battle. Let's not lose sight of, of our, 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 our salvation. It's coming. It's coming. Romans 13, 11 says that our salvation is nearer than when we believe. Christ is coming, right? We see, the, we see the signs. We see everything. But listen, even though he may not come, when we think he may come, we're going. <laughs> One way or another, this will end. One way or another, this will end. So let's put our helmet of salvation. It protects us from, from <clears throat> fainting, from giving up, from discouraging, from growing weary. Amen? We have hope. We have our hope. Our hope is in Christ. And our hope that one day all of this is going to be over. Amen? And we could say that as we come to that end, we, I fought the good. Wouldn't you like to say that? I, I, when, I, when I read that, I say, man, I... I that's what I want to be. That's what I want, you know, as we face the Lord, tell the Lord, Lord, I have fought the good fight. Here I am. Maybe bleeding, right? Maybe bleeding, but here I am, Lord. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. Here I am. And what our Lord is going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't we all want to hear that? Don't we all want to hear that? Yes, we all do. Yes, we all do. Don't get discouraged. Put on your helmet. <clears throat> That's one side. I think we're just going to stay with the helmet today. We'll do the, we'll do the other, the sword of this, which is beautiful too. <clears throat> but the other side of the sword of, of, of Satan, it, 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 we said the first one is, is the one side is discouragement and the other one, uh, it, it's, it's doubt. And it's always to doubt What? Obviously, to God, God's word, God's word. But a lot of times it's to doubt our salvation. That's why it's called this, the helmet of salvation. To doubt our salvation, right? Uh, <clears throat> doubt our salvation. He wants us to doubt our salvation. Uh, uh, and he's really, he's really good at this. He's really good at this, right? And, and, and a lot of times as we start this, our walk in the Christian life, we all suffer from this, right? When, obviously, we all, learn, we all learn and grow in Christ, right? Uh, but the enemy, the enemy never starts coming, stops coming with this, always bringing that doubt of our salvation. And we just might finish doing something. We might just finish sinning. We've we, we done something wrong, right? And what is that? What, what comes to our mind? You're not a Christian. You're not really a Christian. Man, you're not really saved. You're not really saved. You're not good enough. You don't, you don't deserve to be saved. You don't deserve to, to be saved. Look at you. You're always failing. You're always falling. Anybody? Yes. Yes. And that's, that's, that's the devil. <clears throat> he comes to people in that manner. <clears throat> so we could lose our security, so our assurance, our, our eternal security of our, of our salvation. 
See, and there's churches actually that there's churches actually that that, that teach that that a believer could lose his salvation. We're not going to go there, right? But that's if, if that was the thing, it, it's to live in fear. When Satan comes to us to put fear on us that we could that we could uh, lose our salvation, we could lose our salvation. He wants to, he wants us to doubt that. And you know why he wants us to not, to, to doubt that? <clears throat> because that's when we doubt God's promises. We doubt His promises. He wants us to, to believe that, that salvation isn't, isn't forever, that God cannot hold on to us, that what his, what his word says is not true. He wants us to deny God's power, his promises, and all of that, his care, his resources, all of that, his truth. And all of these things are simply the, the, the denial of that, right? And the whole purpose is to, to doubt God. Again, that's the, other, that's the other edge of the sword. How do we react to that? How do we respond to that? Well... The helmet of salvation, right? We have to put it on. You have to put it on. And listen, when we put on the helmet of salvation, and again, it's the helmet of salvation, is because our salvation just doesn't, is not just present, but it's also future. You get that? We are saved today, and we're being kept saved and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you uh, some things so we could have it in, have it in our minds. Uh, Romans 8.30, he says, who, who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he also glorified. Do you see that? So it's, uh, it, it, it's salvation in the present, but it's to the end, to the end. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you really quick, really quick, I'm going to give you uh, uh, seven chains, seven chain links to secure our, our, our chain there. Seven chain, chain, chain links that binds, uh, that binds us eternally to Christ. <clears throat> Go to John chapter 10, verse 27, really quick, and we'll finish right there. We'll finish with that. Seven great reasons why... Um, <clears throat> Why we are to maintain our salvation eternally. Number one, verse 27. How does it start? My sheep. Now, whose sheep are you? Whose sheep are you? Well, we got, you got to say it, Lord. Your sheep, your sheep. We, all, we all need to do that. We are Christ's sheep, right? We are Christ's sheep. sheep. Now, listen. If you are Christ's sheep, right? If you are Christ's sheep and he's our shepherd, we are his responsibility, isn't it? Aren't we? We are his responsibility. And the responsibility is to protect us and to care for us, right? So if he loses one of us, if he loses you, right, what would happen? We have an incompetent shepherd. Now the question is, do we have an incompetent shepherd? No, we don't. We don't have an incompetent uh, shepherd. <clears throat> Amen. And that's one of the chain links. If you are his sheep and he is, and he is our shepherd and he, he takes care of his sheep, so for sure, right, if he loses someone, it will reflect on his character as an incompetent, uh, incompetent shepherd, and he is not. Second link, <clears throat> still verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You hear that? They follow Christ. 
That's what the sheep do, right? His sheep, they follow him. No exceptions. They all follow him. They will not listen to strangers. They will not listen to anyone. They will, they will listen to Christ. They will listen to him. So true Christians are kept by the power of that great shepherd, and they hear his voice. They will follow. <clears throat> they may stumble. They may fall. They may sin, but they are there. Amen? They are there. Third, the third link, verse 28. <clears throat> I give unto them eternal life. Now the question, how long does eternal life is? Anybody? Eternal life? Forever, right? For la- forever. Forever. So to speak of uh, as it could end, it, 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 it's, a, uh, it's a contradiction in terms. To speak that he's given us eternal life and then we lose it, is, it wasn't an eternal life. It was just temporal, Right? So it's a contradiction in terms. Eternal life is eternal. So we are bound by the character of the shepherd, by the character of the sheep. They will follow. And we are bound by the very definition of the word, of the word, right? That is forever. That's eternal life forever. And fourthly, <clears throat> it's a gift. I give unto them eternal life. Did you do anything to earn this? We didn't do anything to earn eternal life, and we don't do we don't do any we didn't do anything to, to earn it, and we don't do anything to keep it because it's a gift. It's been given to us. It's a gift. Fifth one, <clears throat> verse twenty-eight. He says, "They shall never perish." How long is never, or when is never? Never is never, right? Never is never. They shall never perish. And if one Christian ever perishes or or, or ever did, what happens? Then he's a liar. He's a liar. It's not true. When we could throw away our Bible, we could cancel Christianity because it's not true. It's all been a lie. It's all been a lie. Sixth link. And it says, verse 29, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand, my father's hand. You hear that? No one what is the most powerful thing in this universe? Or not thing. What is the, the greatest power in this universe? It's God. It's God, right? Stronger than anything and, and than any other power. And he's holding on. He's holding us in, our hand, in his hand, right? Now, if you notice, too, if you go to uh, verse 28, he says, and, and that's, the, that's the seventh thing. Christ said, no one will snatch them out of my hand. So we, we are in the Father's hand, and we are in Christ's hand, too, right? You know what that means? Double protection. Double protection. Double security. We can never lose our salvation. Amen? So when the devil comes, and he tells us anything, you are not a good thing, you are not... Remember, we talked about this, uh, I believe it was the last time, right? Even when the accuser comes, and, and, uh, as he would come and accuse Job... When the accuser comes into heaven and he tells him, hey, look at him, you know. You know what Christ says? You know what God says? It's been paid for. So when we sin, brothers and sisters, it's not a matter. It's not a matter that we lose anything. The only thing that happens when we sin, right, is that our relationship, the sin comes in between our relationship with, 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 with God and that's why, because of that sin, sometimes that's why we feel that doubt. Because sin will always interfere in the relationship. Just as with our kids, right? Just as with our kids. 
When our kids disobey, when our kids are rebellious, do we stop being a father? We don't stop being a father, right? There might be that rub there like, hey, you're disobedient and the kid is rebellious and all of that, but we don't stop being his kid. They don't stop being our kids. It's just sin comes in between the relationship. Amen? But he loves us. <clears throat> he loves us. <clears throat> we are secure in him. Amen? And that's why when we come to Romans 8.38, 838, we read, what do we read? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things, present, nor things to come, no powers. What's the next one? We didn't put it up there. <clears throat> Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Because we are secure in him. That's awesome news, my brothers and sisters. Just put your helmet on, right? Just put your helmet on a little bit more secure. And if you read uh, Jude 24, Jude, don't tell me what chapter, just Jude 24, what does it say? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He is the one that's keeping us from stumbling. He is the one that's guaranteeing us he's going to take us all the way to the end. Amen? That's the helmet of salvation. We don't, we don't need to listen to Satan's doubts when he says, oh, you, you, you better make sure you're a Christian. You're a Christian. Amen? We just need to live in obedience. <clears throat> now, if you, are unshaky, uh, 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 if you are shaky on the ground, listen to this. If you are shaky on the ground <clears throat> and you can't have confidence, you don't have confidence, number one, you may not be a Christian at all. You may not be a Christian at all. Or number two, you may be a Christian who's been slapped around by the, by the enemy. Either one of them, right? Been slapped around by the enemy. But you better get your helmet of salvation on because there, you have security. You have security. And the next piece would be the sword of the spirit. And that's a beauty. Sword of the spirit is it, a beautiful thing, but we have no time. That's my... That's one of my things, my brothers and sisters. It's, uh, I, I, tend to, I tend to go off, and sometimes it's, uh, I, I take too long. But this weapon, <laughs> but the sword of the Spirit is the weapon that God has given us. And we could use it defensively, or we could use it offensively, right? And it's the Word of God. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Hebrews 4 tells us what? And I believe it's up there. Hebrews 4, 4, 12 tells us that it's more powerful. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Do you know that the word of God knows you better than you know yourself? He knows what, the, the, the Bible knows what your intentions are. It's a, powerful, it's a powerful book. We have it in our hands. We should treasure the word of God. It's what changes us. It's what changes us. It's what, what makes us grow. And we have it in our hands. And it's a shame. And it's a shame that having it in our hands, we don't make use of it. Oh, we may read it. 
We may read it, we may, you know, but, but there's times that we don't apply those things. Listen, and real quick. The, the, the word that he uses in there for word is not a general, uh, general word for, for, uh, for logos. That's what the word is, general term of logos, the word. The word that he uses there is rhema. And it's a specific word, a specific word, right, for a specific occasion. So when the devil comes to us and brings his temptations and all of these things, we could come out with the word of God, right, with those principles, and we deflect his attack, just as Christ did. Three temptations, specific temptations. They come, he gave three specific blocks, specific that's Rhema. But we need to know the Word of God. It's not just having it in our coffee table. It's getting into it. It's reading it and applying it in our lives. Amen? Time is up. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, blessed Father. Thank you for all the resources you have given us. Thank you because you don't, you don't leave us wandering in the dark. You've given us your word, which is our, our lamp unto our feet, the psalmist said. It guides us. It guides us. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, armor, for, for this armor that you've given us which is the same thing as putting on Christ in us, on us. Help us, Lord, that we just don't see this in a matter-of-factly way, Lord. No, that we may heed to the word, that we may obey it, that we may realize that we are at war and that we are to put the whole armor that you have given us. So when those evil day comes, those evil temptations come, all of that attacks come from, from the evil one, then we may stand firm for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray.